Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we're about to kick off this new series uh, that we are calling Beloved. And so on, it's uh, having some fun with the word beloved. Uh, that's not a word we in our culture use all the time, but it is a beautiful, amazing word. So I've got my beloved up here to talk about what it means to be loved. And she does not appreciate my cheese as, as much as I, I think it's pretty high-shelf high good cheese over here. So it's good stuff. But we're going to be looking it's high, at, all right. it's gonna be looking at this concept uh, for the next four weeks. Um, that when we know how to actually be loved, then we can learn how to actually live. God designed us to function in a realm of love. When we were created, when in the Garden of Eden, man and woman was, were created. Sin had not entered in. It was a realm of love. It was the love of God, the love they had for one another, the tension of sin and shame had not entered in. There had been no rejection, there had been no places of hurt, and they were we were actually wired by God to live off of love. We are designed for this, but we when we don't know how to simply be loved, we don't know how to actually live and we spend our lives trying to harvest love instead of just being the recipients of love. And we'll see that we'll begin to try to modify life and we'll try to modify the things in different circumstances. We all know that there's the, there's the work self, there's the family self, there's the when you're with all of your friends self, and we make all of these little modifications sometimes to be happier with us. We get around the people where we can really be the real us, and we'll be able to let the guard down a little bit. We have to be at work, and, you know, and, and things are not, you know, certain things are not approved at work. The boss doesn't approve these things, so we make little modifications to ourselves so we can get the acceptance and the connection that we need in that environment. And we make all of these adjustments, and sometimes we think that this is something that comes along with with, you know, just life, and it's a learned thing. But man, I tell you what, um, kids, they can begin to do it uh, really, really quick, make those little modifications to, to make sure they're accepted. So a few years ago, um, when Colin, who is now... Eight. Oh. She's eight. She is eight. So it's a few more years ago, and Pressy was two, um... Brian and I were in the dining room, and the girls were in the living room, and we were probably deep in conversation because somebody was probably dealing out their cheese, and I was probably having to listen to it. Anyways, and so um, we all of a sudden hear Pressy started crying, and She's a little bit loud. It was she, a loud cry. She, it was a loud cry. It was a pain cry. It was. It was. And so, and all of a sudden, we hear, uh, Pastor Brandon. Uh, uh, Pastor Brandon. This is the first time Colin called me Pastor Brandon. I was always daddy. I was always daddy to her. 
And she comes in out of the living room and says, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Brandon, I, I accidentally rocked my rocking chair and squished Pressy's toes. And, and so she thought she was going to be in trouble. And she thought she was about to, and she was wanting to remind me, hey, buddy, you're a minister. <laughs> Pastor Brandon. And, and so, and it was funny, but, but it, it broke my heart a little bit because in that moment where all of a sudden she had, had hurt somebody I also cared about, um, she was not confident enough in the fact that I loved her that she modified the way she began to interact with me to be able to make sure she got what she wanted out of me, which was forgiveness and acceptance and all those different things, which daddy should have been the highest shelf word to use in that moment. But for whatever reason, she felt like Pastor Brandon was the highest shelf word to use in that moment. And so many times when, when we're not convinced that we are fully loved, we will find ourselves in situations making modifications to the way we deal with one another, the way we deal with God. If we're not fully assured that he loves us, we'll begin to make modifications. We see that in the garden where they immediately hid and they, and they covered their nakedness. They'd been fully loved by God and they made these modifications. And we have to know, no, 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 that we are loved. Song of Solomon 6, 3a says, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Knowing you belong, and not just belong, but are beloved, is one of the greatest things in life. So much of life revolves around this. Our culture has, has completely trained us to begin to interact and to try to, to harvest love out of one another and, and we we built ourselves to see our relationships as these love vending machines okay that i need love i need acceptance i need that out of some sort of person and so and then we we kind of choose somebody we would like to receive love from we maybe feel like we have a good shot at receiving some love from maybe this person seems like they're a loving individual and so and then we, we approach that love vending machine and we make the necessary deposits. We smile, we say hello, maybe this is somebody that's in our life, we, we pay them a compliment, we do some, some services for them, we, we help them paint their house or do some sort of thing. We're, we're, we're doing, we're making the deposits and then we expect love because love is what is owed to us now. I went to the machine, I made the deposit, I made the thing, and now love ought to pop out. It ought to be coming back to me. And that that kind of love is transactional. And we will find ourselves when we know we haven't made the deposits, when we haven't done those things, feeling like, okay, now I don't deserve love. Now I don't, and I be, we begin to pull away. And we will find this all the time. How many of our decisions in life are made like this. Our peer groups, our careers, we go to college to make mom and dad proud. I mean, over and over again, all of those different places where we begin to be, we begin to be trained. And, and I get it, 
you know, we've got to have some order in the classroom. And so, you know, the students learn this is what the expectations of this teacher is. And, and I do this, and I don't get in trouble, and I, and I get the little attaboy, girl thing. And we, and we begin to do that. But all of this stuff, if we don't have a foundation of being actually truly loved, then we get into this thing of this these love vending machine thing. And, you know, and so many times we'll have the exact same reaction that we will have to a vending machine. You know, you, you, maybe you go and you stay in a hotel and you hope that there's a vending machine on your level, you know, and you decide that you need a Snickers bar because you're hungry. And so you get, come out of your hotel room, you go down the hall, you see the little cubby, the light's pouring out, you put peek in there, sure enough, there's the machine glowing. It's awesome. And it sits there and it has the little thing. It, it takes your dollar, it spits out your dollar. It takes your dollar, it spits out your dollar. You do the little dance, you, you rub it, you get it to stick in there. <gasps> it takes the dollar. You look at it, it you see C3, you get the Snickers. You push C, you put three. It sits there and then it does the half a crank. And the Snickers is still there. It's got your dollar and it's got your Snickers. And initially, when you first laid eyes on this vending machine, it was like, oh, this is awesome. You're sent to me from God. This is so amazing. I'm going to enter into this exchange, and I'm just so thankful. And now it doesn't kick out the Snickers. And now, all of a sudden, you got some like low-key words for this machine. You're like, seriously? I can't believe it. Then you like give it a little shake. Come on, machine. And you give it a kick. I want my Snickers. What's up here? Now that you start, it's a machine. And then you actually start talking to the machine. You're like, you stupid machine. You're a ripoff. You are, you are sorry. You're a thief. Then you want to get on there and get, you know, go, nobody trusts this machine. Take the selfie with it. You sorry. This machine's a, a liar and a cheat. I put in what? I thought I needed to put in, and it did not give me what I thought I deserved back. And we do that with relationship after relationship after relationship. I saw you. You're exactly what I was looking for. I do the right song and dance and make the right deposits. And then when it doesn't go the way I wanted, then things start to get ugly and escalate and it ends up on social media and it does all this stuff because you're a liar and you're a cheat and you did not give me the love I wanted because you were looking for transactional love you didn't enter into it with love at all you entered into an exchange and if we don't understand how to simply be loved by God it will wreck every relationship we have it will affect everything we do. It will mess up everything unless we know how to simply be loved. And this gets into everything. And, and our whole world knows that it functions this way. Our whole world understands the transactions of it. And we even build our marketing around it. And we think maybe this is a modern problem, but it's not. Let's, let's think about this. Some, an old, old saying everybody knows. What, tell me what is the breakfast of champions? Wheaties. Thank you for that very weak response. But Wheaties. 
weedy slogan of the Breakfast of Champions was rolled out as their slogan in 1935. It has been their slogan since 1935. It's not a modern thing for us to want to be associated with a champion. They've been marketing to our desire to want to hook up to and gain some, gain a little bit of acceptance through my purchase of my Wheaties. Because now as I eat my bowl of Wheaties, I feel a little bit more like a champion. And that's been something that's a part of our broken system all along. Uh, when you care enough to send the best. That's right. Hallmark. Anybody, Hallmark. 1934. Because it wasn't enough to send a greeting card that said, I love you and you're amazing. No, no, no. It had to be a Hallmark greeting card. Because if you didn't send the very best, well, then that was a kind of a low-key, I love you and you're amazing. No, you got to look on the back and see, oh, was it a Hallmark? Okay, well, now they really love me. And so all of these different things, they play to us wanting to be associated with the best, to be able to be desirable and to, and, and to be wanted. Because I'm worth it. Anybody know? L'Oreal. L'Oreal. Yep. That one was 1973. A long Hey, hey, ago. 1973 wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Come on now. Come on, don't give us 73 models a hard ago. time here. Then there was, of course, the, the ultimate driving machine. BMW. BMW. Come on, people. BMW, the ultimate driving machine, because it's not enough just to have a driving machine. You have to have the ultimate driving machine. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> that desire to be able to look awesome and it be natural. You didn't actually have to add anything to it. You just roll out of bed looking that good. And then uh, the last one is, is not only do they want to get us all wrapped up in all of these other things, our athletic abilities, the champion, all of those different things, our appearance, but then they roll out this thing of what's in your wallet. <laughs> Seriously? It's not enough that I'm concerned whether I have some dollar bills in my wallet or not. Now I'm, I'm concerned about whether or not I have the right credit card in there, that I can get credit card shame because I don't have the right one. Oh, my gosh, and it plays. They've been rolling out. They didn't just try it for a little bit. We know these because it worked. We fell for it hook, line, and sinker. In fact, this marketing ability to want to be connected with winners is so strong that our, our top athletes make more money from endorsements than they do from actually doing what they get paid to do. LeBron James made 67% of his income off of endorsements. 67%. He made $33 million last year playing a basketball. And he's a fantastic athlete. But he made $52 million to let somebody use his image and, his, and that. Because whoever paid that $52 million was going to make even more than $52 off of all of us. So that we could be associated with LeBron James and his athletic prowess. This goes over and over again. Tiger Woods made 97% of his income off of endorsements. He had an amazing year. Just came out of nowhere. He's back at it. Guess what? Made $1.3 million as a golfer. Made $40 million with endorsements. 
Why? Because we want to be associated with those things, and they play because we want to well, spend the money to harvest the love. It is transactional. We don't know how to be loved, so we figure out ways to harvest the love. When really all we really want is to hear what Eve heard in the garden, the very first words that a one person spoke to another person. Uh, Genesis 2, and 23 says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is the very first time you hear, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Here in this moment where it is the, the very first interaction, it is one of complete and 100% acceptance. You are of me and I am of you. We are 100% connected. That is what we desire to hear. We just want that place of belonging. We want that place of connection. And we don't care if the, re if, uh, if the whole world loves us. We just need a handful of people to genuinely, truly love us. And we will bend over backwards, spend what we got to spend, do what we got to do, say what we've got to say to be able to have an Adam and Eve moment that you, you're mine and I'm yours, and we're genuinely connected together. To be able to love others, we must first be loved by God. Knowing you are loved by God is the foundation of our relationship with Him and everyone else. First John chapter 4. This is so critical. First John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And we know and rely on the love God has for us. Before we move any forward anymore. This is the foundation, folks. John is writing to other believers. He's writing to, to early first century believers. And he says, and we know and rely on the love God has for us. That is the foundation of this. The love God has for us. Not the love we can harvest out of God if we read our Bible just right. If we show up to church on time, if we, if we do the little things, if we volunteer, if we write the checks, if we do all of that different stuff and we somehow harvest some love out of God, that we turn God into the transactional love that we turn one another into. No, we know and rely on the love God has for us. This is the foundation for everything else. Why we believe that God is God who heals us because of the love he has for us. Why he's a God we can trust with our finances because of the love he has for us. Why we can invite him into our relationships because of the love he has for us. It is the foundation. It goes on, John goes on to say that God is love. You're going to define God one way, one word. It's love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. <clears throat> in this world, we are like Jesus. In this world. That'll blow your mind if you think about that a little bit. In this world, 
we're like Jesus. So many times we can think, no, when, when we get to heaven, when it's all said and done, yeah, I can see how all of that. No, John says in this world, we're like Jesus. Remember, we talked about Jesus came to kind of help us along on this. That in this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first, he first loved us. Last week, we saw that Jesus shows us how to truly be human. Um, Jesus was filled with joy from the Holy Spirit, just like we are. Just like we are. Jesus shows us how to be loved. Jesus received the love of the Father. This is why he could love us enough to die for us. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Notice that. Jesus first received the love from the Father. He says, As the Father has loved me, now I love you. Jesus' love tank was full. It was full, not from everybody else. He's like, because you love me, now I love you. No, he said, but the Father has loved me, and I love you. It is flowing from the Father and to everybody else. This is why Jesus could continue to love them, even when they abandon him, even when Peter denies him in a little bit. He tells them, you're all going to leave me. He tells them at, there at the, at, the, at the Last Supper, you're all going to leave me. And they're like, no, no, no. He's like, no, you are. It's going to happen. And he wasn't, he wasn't mad. He understood because his love for them was not dependent on their love for him. He simply was loved by the Father and he was just able to pour it out. We have to understand this. Now, now Jesus, we see this place, this love interaction between God the Father and, and God the Son. And let's look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, this is Jesus' baptism. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened up. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus has not raised Lazarus from the dead. He's not fed the 5,000. He's not preached a bunch of sermons. This is right here. Jesus' ministry is about to fully begin. He's about to fully begin. The only miracle we know prior to this is turning water into wine, which is pretty cool. But he's not done all of the big, awesome, life-changing miracles. And here he is. He's just loved. And whom I'm well pleased. God was pleased with him before he did anything that he was going to do. And Jesus received that love, that he received it. We jump down to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, there's the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says, now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up high on a mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and he shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He's running his mouth. He's got plans, all this stuff to do. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Hear him. Listen to him. 
You want to do all this stuff for him. Shut up, Peter, and just listen to him. Just listen to him. That's all you need to do. This is my son whom I love. Over and over again, God the Father reaffirms that, and this is how Jesus functioned. This is how he functioned. This is how he loved. How do we hear that we are loved? Well, God's love is all through the scriptures. It's declared all through the scriptures. Now, we looked at Matthew chapter 3, and then we jumped down to Matthew 17 with those two audible, amazing moments. The baptismal moment, the Mount of Transfiguration moment. But there was another moment, and I love you moment, that we, we skip over. And we skip over, and I want to go back to it because this is, this is pinnacle for us and for us to be able to connect with this. And it's in Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to pick up in verse 16. And he says, and then he warned them not to tell others of, <clears throat> about him. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. This was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. This was already written down. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. Here is another place where Jesus is loved and is connected with the love of the Father. But this is not an audible voice from the heavens. This is a prophetic voice written in the scriptures that was already pre-declared before Jesus even showed up physically doing his ministry that he was loved in advance. Folks, this is how you and I connect with it. We look and we read the scriptures and we see that we're loved. The scriptures declare that we're loved just like they declare that Jesus was loved. And we have to see the scriptures and grab a hold of them and see that they're speaking to us and telling us that we are loved. See ourselves in the scriptures. We have to see ourselves in the scriptures. So we have some really great friends that we've been friends with for, for some years. Yes. And um, Long time. Long time. And so uh, every year that one of our older kids have graduated from high school, they have given them a personalized Bible. And this one is Lyndon Clark's Bible. Yes. From our friends Roy and Julie Zesh. Yes, the Zeshes. And uh, we're more like family. And when we all get together, there's a lot of us. Because they have ten kids. That's right. Yes. Yeah, we, we're a small family. We are a small family. Um. Anyways, and so through this Bible, all of the scriptures say Lyndon Clark. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved Lyndon that he gave his only begotten son. And in all honesty, and how we should read our Bible, our scriptures, the word, is, is just like that. For God so loved Krista, Queen Kay, Cutie, Mrs. Pastor Clark, ma'am. Y'all need to get some more names. Um, I've lost where I was to love the world. That he gave his only begotten son just for me. 
and just for you. And that's the way you should read it. It's not just, it, it is written in general, but it is written very personal. It's very personal. And you have to grab a hold of that. You have to hold on to what was written and declared just for you. Just for you. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And just so that you're fully aware that God's love is not that transactional, we do this thing back and forth kind of love. Let's remember one more time Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrated. He wanted something for you to be able to just understand his love. God demonstrated his own love for us. And then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we didn't give a rip, while we didn't care. There was no transaction there. There was no deposit made in God. The, The big, amazing, galactic love vending machine that humanity had not made some every other religion every other religion is about trying to do what some other god does to appease their wrath and curry their favor only the truth of god revealed through christ shows us that god loved us first pursued us first and while we didn't care demonstrated that love with the death of his son He demonstrated it. That is it. I love the way the message translation puts this. It says, but God put his love on the line. It's a risk. Love is a risk. But that's the only way it's really love. God put his love on the line for us. And by offering his son in sacrificial death, while we were no use whatsoever to him. No use whatever. That was when he did it. So guess what? We removed forever. The transactional part of our love relationship with God. It's gone forever. So that brings us to our bottom line for this week. We love because he truly first loved us. And when we can truly just be loved, that, uh, we, that is when everything begins to shift. When we can just, just be loved by God. That is why it is the foundational piece. It is not trite to say God loves you. It is the foundational truth of life that God loves you. And that is the number one thing the enemy fights against. It's the number one thing our self-doubt tries to, to tackle against. It's the truth that God loves us and he loves us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.